Hey guys, Jack here. After 119 episodes, uh, we missed a week for the first time. Uh, my apologies. We were wrapped up with a bunch of software-wide activities, including the Heads Up Challenge, uh, some other top-secret activities, and finally, uh, the Academy. You can check out the footage from the Heads Up Challenge. Uh, we'll post a link to that in the show notes. And yeah, a lot of exciting stuff to come on that front, but not to be announced quite yet. Some other news, I'll be in Florida for the WPT series uh, this April. So if you're going to be around, uh, feel free to shoot me a note. And yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Enjoy this week's episode. Good morning, Zach. Top of the morning, Jack. We are still in the Airbnb in sunny and windy Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, we were playing some March Madness poker. Played an interesting hand at 510 Bellagio which uh, isn't really my favorite game to play in Vegas, but considering that that poker room and sports book are located right next to each other, I thought the games would be good, and I was right. Uh, and I played a kind of interesting hand. Let's hear it. Yeah, so we were briefly five-handed. Our table was seven-handed for a second, and we had two people up from the table. So we had a short stretch of hands where we were playing five-handed. I happened to be the button cut off and hijack through those three hands, and I happened to get very good hands, each of those hands. So I opened. I had opened three pots in a row at this point. So I opened king-10 suited from the hijack to 50, which was my standard sizing. What were the effective stacks? I'm basically the effective stack with 1,500. Most people have me covered at this point. So cutoff calls, and it folds through. Cutoff is an older, not so old, probably like mid to late 50s gentleman who bought in for 1,000. He and I had some recent history where I doubled him up. And he's been playing pretty normal pre-flop frequencies for someone of that age. It seems like a fairly normal style for someone of that age. So we're heads up to the flop with 115 in the middle. We get a flop of deuce, deuce, four with the deuce of diamonds. And I have king, ten of diamonds. Seems like a pretty standard spot to continue the betting lead. This is a board where you're probably going to be betting your entire range or close to your entire range against most opponents in a heads-up pot, and this to me seems like no exception. Yeah, I agree. I decided to opt for a small sizing, which is something I don't do quite as much as I used to, but I, I do think this is a good spot where I'm basically going to want to be betting my whole range, maybe give up with a few things, but definitely not like overcards and a backdoor flush draw, obviously. Uh, but I think I would, bet, I would bet with most of my range here and just expect him to fold out a lot of unpaired hands. And so I bet 40... Now, I do think, like, I have to, when I bet 40 here, I have to be prepared to deal with a raise because I've raised three pots in a row and now I'm betting 40 into 115. Like, I think most players are going to have a reasonable raising frequency. And for that reason, I kind of like sizing up a little bit more because I can, I think a raise is much more honest facing a size of 70. So yeah, I get raised to 140, and I'm curious what you think. 
I don't think I'm folding. <laughs> I think uh, when you bet this size, like you said, it's going to be a lot of not honest raises. And also, I think for that size specifically, that screams like either like a bluff or like a pair of sevens that wants to see where they're at. So, you know, basically depending on how full of shit you look, I'm either calling or re-raising. Most of the times in, in spots like this where I've raised three hands in a row and I look the way that I look, three bet is not going to really do any good. So I'd probably just call and evaluate thinking that I have pretty decent equity against the range getting the price I am. But I think it's also worth considering kind of three betting. Yeah, I felt similarly. I have to call basically thinking that I was for sure getting a good price with my hand. I have two over cards where if I hit either of them, I'm going to feel very good about my hand. I have backdoor diamonds where uh, I can get in, I think, some really plus EV turn check raises when a diamond comes in. I think I would be three-betting a lot of overpairs here, but I think I would be perceived to probably flat overpairs here. And so if I proceed through a flat, I think uh, I'll have more leverage later because my opponent will think I have those hands. That's a really actually important thing to consider, like, don't worry too much about how you're constructing your strategy. Think more about how your opponents are expecting you to construct. If your opponents are expecting you to call with an overpair, which most pro-looking people do in this spot, I think, then understand that when you take the calling line, you're going to be perceived to have overpairs often. So yeah, I proceed through a call, and I turn... The beautiful ten of hearts. So we have a deuce, deuce, four, ten board, two clubs. I also just want to point out quickly that I really don't think this player would raise me with a deuce or a full house 100% of the time and perhaps very little. I'm wondering what you think about that assumption. Yeah, based on the player description and also based on how he probably perceives you, I think... That that's a, a fair assumption that he's probably flatting the majority of that range. But it's really hard to say. I think against the field, as a general rule at like two five, five ten, you're gonna see probably like a, a mix of flatting where maybe at like one two it's like a lot it's flatting close to hundred percent of the time. But from this player type I, I think we should assume that he's flatting a lot of those hands. So now we hit this ten. We're feeling pretty good about our hand. And I think a lot of people would check, but I think there's a question here whether we should be leading or check calling slash check deciding, considering maybe a thin check raise, just depending on the bet size. And I think this is actually a pretty good spot to lead. So the the size, like I said, on the flop is somewhat consistent with maybe a pair uh, between like sixes and nines, sixes and tens, probably not jacks, just given the preflop dynamic, you open all these hands in a row. Yeah, they're an older player, but they probably know they should be three-betting jacks in a five-six-handed game if they're playing five-ten. Maybe not, but I would definitely discount discount most of their combos of jacks, maybe discount some combos of tens, but still give them the majority of them. And then, so there's only one combo of that left. So I think they have a lot of kind of like pairs of five through nines that they decided to raise to see where they're at, to clean up their equity, to do whatever. Uh, and then they have a lot of hands that might just decide to give up. So I think this is a spot where we kind of want to put pressure on those hands, but not just fold out that entire range that we're beating. So I think this is a nice spot to lead for like around half pot. I like the way you think, sir. So just to recap, pot 
is about, I think about 395 right here. I had the same feeling like, I think a lot of types of hands might raise me on the flop, like some sort of more airy bluffs, hands that are trying to get protection, like like we said, pairs between, I think, even fives up through. I do think jacks are possible, although I would have guessed that he would three-bet most of his combos. But I do think, like, when you size to 50, people play a little bit more passively uh, and don't three-bet for value quite as much, which is really nice. Yeah, I think he could also definitely have flush draws. But as I was saying before, I think because I'm perceived to have overpairs, and the fact that I continue through a call on the flop, like I think someone who's going to put in sort of a stabby bluff on the flop is going to ex- do that because they expect me to fold, having bet 40. And so I think a lot of bluffs are going to be giving up here. And I'm just not sure that like fives to nines would call again for protection. So I, I thought this was like a pretty clear lead. I also really, I think it's really fun to like get raised on the flop and then call and then leave the turn. <laughs> See, I bet I led 240 into a pot of 395. Yeah, so I think we both agree that you should be leading. It's just a question of sizing. And based on like how I know you're often perceived and this like last little run that you had, and you told me about a hand against this guy, not on the podcast, but where you, you might be considered to have some air and some not good cards in your range. I, I don't think it's unrealistic to get a single call from like fives through nines. I think that we should pick a size that value targets that, and 240 seems a little big for me. I'd probably choose like, you know, something around 180, like 175. And if we're not trying to get a call from those hands, then yeah, I guess I kind of like a 240 bet to just clean up our equity, get a lot of expect to get a lot of folds, and not lose like too much when the player has his beat. But I think 180 accomplishes uh, a call from those pairs and maybe even, you know, a greater chance for, like, an occasional call from, like, Broadway's, like, ASEX or something. I don't love getting called by overcards here because I'd really like to feel confident on the river that the only overcards I'm going to be up against are clubs. Uh, I think it'll just make the river a lot easier to play. But yeah, I, I can see sizing down a little bit. I mean, sure, uh, that seems totally fine. It didn't. Be, it wasn't an issue because our friend raised the turn to six hundred. And just to recap, I have a, I have about a thousand behind, a little more than a thousand behind. Fold, definitely just fold. I think I think in the spot, combinatorically, he's going to have a lot more like bluffs and flush draws than he will value hands. But this just doesn't seem like a line taken by someone in that demographic that feels very bluffy to me. I think again, this is this is five ten, so I probably this is there's a bit more of an increase of this than two five, but not so much more. But I think people are just really uncomfortable raising the turn kind of large, effectively putting their stack in or ready to play for stacks with like just a flush draw. If it's one thing if they're like the preflop aggressor and it's like a combo draw, but this this line just seems like this person has a, a hand for value and the sizing would also indicate to me more that this is like a, a value raise. Like I think if there's like a shove here, 
then that to me would actually, from this player type, make me want to think more about you know calling with this bluff catcher. But I think against this sizing, this this just seems very value heavy to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think we can fold. I don't know exactly what to make of this race, but it's like it's really not easy for us to not have the best hand. Like hands that could be ahead of us would be jacks, queens, one combo of tens, fours, ace deuce suited, and I think we already established that jacks, fours, and deuces should be reduced, and obviously there's only one combo of tens. It's just it's just really hard for us to be beat, like our opponent, I think, might make a raise with a hand like 10x of clubs, which we're in good shape against. It could just be a flush draw. It's just hard for me to say what he has, but we're getting a fantastic price, one. So I think, like, to me, the, the, the choice is do I just call or do I shove? Because I just think that we have the best hand so often and that a lot of the hands that would raise here are draws that are going to be sort of indifferent to a shove here that I think a shove makes sense to me. It also is more consistent with like the way I'm perceiving the flop raise. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I don't see, I don't see folding here. Yeah. I think, I think you have me convinced the, the sizing on the turn just as like bringing up like red flags but yeah i mean com- combinatorically with those combos being reduced he just has very few value combos here and the possibility to have so many bluffing combos getting a good price and i think you should definitely shove if you're going to continue here that seem- seems pretty clear like this if not you just allow him to probably play close to perfectly against you on the river and so if you shove then that's another you have a thousand behind so then if you shove, that's like another 700 for him. Yeah, indifferent is a good good word to describe how he's going to feel with some flush draws. So, yeah, I guess I guess shove. The, the sizing still feels a little strong for me, but also like I'm not there and you kind of have to have a pretty good soul read and more history on this player to make that analysis. And this is also 510. It's not 2-5. So I think just like against the field at that stake, you should just add more bluffs kind of against the field as an exploit. Yeah. The sizing, the sizing of two five would like raise flags to me, but six hundred, you know, in like a five ten game, just it's not quite as much. It's weird because I think like the only hand where he truly is raising for value here is a deuce. I think four is just flat. Like if someone like if you're lucky enough to get dunked into after raising the flop on the turn, like you don't just raise to like six hundred. I I just don't think people do that. It just let call, let me bet again. Hopefully I get there with like a flush draw. And so I think this is probably either a bluff, a sort of merge raise with like 10x of clubs, maybe a protection raise with jacks or nines, although nine seems pretty thin. Maybe, I don't know. It's just weird. And I have like a hand that is really pretty good. So I shoved. And he tank called with jacks and i lost (laughs) and so i i definitely feel like i personally like my play here and 
the result is I lost my whole stack where most people I think would never lose their whole stack. So yeah. Any closing thoughts? Yeah. So you had, you know, one of like the very few value combos here. And I think the only, the only question is just like, did you have enough information or like live reads to like zero in on that? And the answer is like, probably no. So yeah, well played. I will also point out that I do think he can, he tanked because he considered folding jacks, which he didn't. And I wouldn't, I didn't make that bet thinking he would, but I think a nice thing about shoving is you never know. Like someone might just fold jacks there because obviously I think I could have aces, kings, queens in this guy's mind. And, you know, people are reluctant to like call it off with one pair that's kind of vulnerable. So it's something to consider as a side benefit of shoving, especially shoving versus calling since, well, he probably checks back jacks on the the river. So I save some money, but you can't win the max and lose the min. It's just not possible. So I went for winning the max, and I lost the max. So there you go. 510 Bellagio, March Madness. I'll talk to you later.